welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. Ladies and gentlemen, a very special one today. We actually have returning guests. Well, it's about like a year later, right, Ashley? Ashley Mark. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to talk about her business today and kind of break it down and uh, kind of get what has gone on in her coaching business and I guess life as well since she was last on the Excellence Cartel as a client sp- uh, coaching spotlight is what we did. Jason just walked away because he's probably old and his prostate probably swell up and he's like, oh, God, I just can't like, oh, uh, anyway, but uh, oh, shit, he's back. Uh, Jeff, how's your last seven days been, dude? Me? Okay. Yeah. Uh, my last seven days have been really good. Um, Laura uh, signed another client. We have some other ones in the pipeline, so that's always good. Um, let's see. I'm wrapping up the biomarkers class, which I will be teaching on the 18th. I also have- question, question. Yeah. Over under 90 days before it's copied and put out in the space top by another coach. I actually put my money on the overside, but I believe it will happen. So I'm calling it you know, now. You know, I'm speaking funny story, it into existence. I don't know if this guy will listen to our podcast or this episode or not, but I guess, you know, a lot of different people have been telling me that a certain individual is copying my stuff. And this individual actually reached out to ask if he could buy some more of my classes. And I just <laughs> left. I just left him on red this time. I didn't, I didn't entertain the offer. Um, but anyways, Jeff, you know, I think I'm like torn about selling my house now. And oh, like, God. I'm like asking myself, like, do I really want to do this? Like, do I really want to live that life in Boston? Like, why am I doing it? Like, is this going to be a mistake? I'm going to regret all this stuff. And I'm having this like existential crisis now. And people are like, the house is going to be listed next week. I put my gym equipment on on Facebook marketplace and people are like giving me offers to buy this and that. And then I'm like, no, 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 I can't sell it yet. And they're like, what the fuck? What do you mean you can't sell it yet? So I had to amend my post and say, I'm not selling shit until my house closes. <laughs> but I had like over like 60 DMS asking for stuff, like yeah. offering really good prices for my equipment. Um, I'm just having a hard time. I just don't know if this is one of these like, manic decisions that I'm making because like I'm in some mood and maybe I should just sit for a little bit, but I really don't fucking know. Why don't you just Airbnb out downtown Boston for a month or two and see if you like it, just do a fucking Airbnb, just leave your place empty for a month, put it where it won't freak, you know, like lose shit in your house and then just go down there for a month or two and do an Airbnb. That's also an option too. And I, and I was also just thinking like, my God, like how much money am I going to spend? Like, on the rent, on the, on the Porsche that's coming on the parking. And then I'm going to want to go out and like, you know, spend money and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you sound like me when I was talking to you to try to put sense in your head about two months ago about all this shit. <laughs> I've gotten old, Jason. I've gotten old. I'm, I'm the reason I have money is because I save it, Jeff. Like I drive a used Porsche, <laughs> you know, like you got to start saving. I'm like, I will just blow every dollar that I, that I earn if I, if I go out there. I'll be buying Rolexes because I'm bored. I'll just like go to the Rolex store and just buy it. You know, <laughs> like, like, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. I just would Airbnb it and see it for a month or two. I would too. I think that would give you an idea. Off. Yeah. I think, I think, I think Jeff Black has the idea right there, man. If, you, if you're yeah, on the fence with it, you might as well go see. Well, that's yeah. it. That's what's going on. No the, I mean, at least the good news is, man, the house is worth way more than you paid. So that oh, was a yeah. great buy. And definitely. So whatever you choose, it's not going to be a bad decision. And, and um, I don't know. I'm someone who's so influenced by other people's opinions too. Like I, I was like, Oh, I don't like this house. I don't like this house, but I posted pictures that they took of it. And people were like, wow, that's your house. Like, 
And I was like, oh, this is actually a nice house. Like, I didn't know that. Like, you know, like, so now I feel like dumb. Like, I don't know. you have like Instagram, like you look at the houses on Instagram, <laughs> like the, like the fake yeah. ass ones and assume it's like that. It's not like that. Like anywhere in the burbs. I'm man. really just trying to live a life that I want to live and not the life that other people think I should be living. And I'm really, I'm having a really hard time with that in the last couple of years, I would say. Yeah. Part of getting older, man. It's tough. Jason, how's your last seven days been? That ring is 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 your little ring light on, glow light. You got a little yeah. lamp on your face. You got a little it's tan in that thing. sun. Mm. Yeah. How's your last seven been? Ooh, it brings it accentuates your facial colors. I I appreciate the smooth, supple tones of your skin now. Love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, seven days has been cool. Uh, one of the big things was. The uh, HRT clinic, we were on a spot for local uh, 12 news. Uh, we got to talk about what we offer. I was up there with my business partners and the doctor and our nurse practitioner. So that was pretty cool. Um, we'll share some snippets as we go. I, I did put a picture out of us. Um, so that was cool to get some local press. And I hope that it helps on the local level. Um, but overall, the clinic is, is doing really well. And we're looking to hire um a second coordinator already so and then soon we'll follow with another uh nurse practitioner or nurse to see patients and uh just keep on looking to grow it um so that's been good i've been getting a lot of signups like i don't know what the the difference is but like i'm getting like new people almost like daily um i certainly haven't done anything extra on socials same Um, so it, it, it must be referrals, um, you know, and, and it's nice that I've been in this so long that, you know, I can kind of do it through referrals and post when I want. So that's about it, man. I'm, I'm having a good week and um, I'm ready to go train after this. And I think that's about it for me. I don't think I missed the leaving anything out. So nice. Oh, let's see my last seven days. I went to the pool with my neighbors and they're just like these average Joe dudes. So they got absolutely hammered, but they brought this big blunt and I ended up just like burning it for them. They're like, God, you're like Snoop Dogg. I'm like, I'm the white version of Snoop. I haven't smoked in a while though. So it was like nice to just sit the bull with some different people and hear what they do for a living. And I mean, a blunt sometimes hits way different than a blunt. Yeah, it was pretty good. I don't know. It was nice. It was nice being up there with a bunch of adults. And then my buddy and I, we decided we're going to do a history podcast together um we're gonna do like one a month so we're like really diehard history junkies and we like know about these like really weird battles we've read on and we thought about like interviewing authors and the work that they go through to like write these heavy books and like things like that because like to interview some of those world war ii survivors was very emotional to some of them and like we just thought it would be different to do is Um, there a market for it or do you not care we don't really care it's more for us just for our little hobby that we want to do for ourselves and then um this Saturday, because remember, I was supposed to come see you this week. Yeah. This upcoming week. But I got tickets to take uh, Keegan to SummerSlam. And it's here at Nashville. It's at Nissan Stadium. It's outdoors. It's going to be like 60,000 people there. It's going to be insane. And the tickets are 12 rows back from the ring. Oh, wow. And right out the aisle where the wrestlers come out. So and you got them free? I uh, paid a little bit for them, but not, I did not pay anywhere near um, cover point nice so that was pretty nice yeah basically i got two tickets for the price of one is kind of what it worked out to be and i was like done deal i'll take that um so he's a diehard wrestling fan so i'm super glad to have that experience with him saturday but otherwise man um everything's pretty good in my world nothing too too crazy 
I've had signups like you and I haven't done shit on social media. It's been a lot of referrals and just people who've stumbled on old posts or just somehow find out about me. I'm kind of like, part of me feels sad and lazy, I guess, maybe like you do, Jason, once you said that, I was like, man, maybe I, yeah. Cause I go through the like thing, like I want to share stuff. Struggle, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, you know, I'll finally look at Jeff's and he's got like 35 stories and they're all intricate and pieced out. And mine are just like, randomly thrown at yeah that's me story, you know what I'm, saying? I'm like i just gotta stop looking at this shit because it makes me feel like i'm lazy but at the same time like i've got the referral thing kind of going from the years of doing this so i just uh i don't know i try to stay off of it a lot to be honest with you anymore yeah it's kind of been just i don't know social media goes isn't what it used to be i'm starting to get into tiktok though sooner or later there's gonna be a good TikTok video that comes out of me. It's gonna involve a bathtub. I promise you, it's gonna be really good. Uh, Ashley, since you're all laughs, I got you smiling. How's your last seven days been? Yeah, hold on. Before we start, I gotta. I can't prepare this time. Uh, had to bring lube because last time I was on this podcast, you guys tore me a new one, so I can't prepare this time. <laughs> so we have that going for me. So we're all good. Um, it was a learning experience, but no, last seven days has been really, really good. Um, definitely like staying on top of content creation, you know, creating new client plans for this like little deal I'm having where I coach people six months for free. So I selected those applicants to work well. A lot of them are heavy cases, not just like, oh, I want to lose weight. It's like, I want to lose weight, but I'm weight loss resistant. Or my Dutch test is or cortisol through the roof, you know, like no sex hormones type of deal. So very, very complex cases, but I'm also very excited for them to be able to show what I know and to be able to apply that and have kind of like those before and afters. And then obviously generate referrals as well. Mm, awesome. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to get into this. So Jeff, I'm going to turn it over to you because this is your rodeo that you wanted today. So without further ado, cowboy, just take us away there, buddy. Yeah. I, I guess my first question for you, Ashley, is, you know, how, you know, have your goals changed? Because we had you on, you know, a year ago, right? You were relatively new to this. And now that you've, you know, had a year kind of just figuring things out, uh, no pun intended, right? Because you have a podcast called that, I'll figure right? it out, yeah. Figure it out. So how has that outlook changed in, in your perceptions? Like, tell us about that. Yeah, definitely. That's a really great question. So honestly, the goal still remains the same. I still want to help people, but now it's like helping people with a purpose and understanding like actually how to do that. Because I think I was a little, I mean, not I think I was extremely naive when I was last on the podcast, just being like, la di da, I want to help people. I'm a fitness coach. But now it's like, well, I'm a fitness coach with direction now. It's like, now I actually know what client nurturing means. Now I actually know what it means to, you know, break down these complex topics that coaches need to understand but explain it that in a, in a way that a 12 year old would understand. So you start to generate trust and develop relationships with people and not just like point at shit, TikTok on a screen and call that value because who the hell cares? Like, yeah, you have a client's attention for like 10 seconds, but you know, then they just scroll on to the next person. And so it's really maturing as a coach and understanding that it is about the people, but in order to be about the people, you have to learn how to relate to them and explain like complex situations to them in a way that they'll understand. So they trust you and they pay attention to you and they ask you questions. And then when they start to trust you more then it's like, well, listen, she clearly knows her stuff and I'm ready to invest in myself. So I want to take the leap. And so the goal hasn't necessarily changed for me, but definitely just the way that I view coaching and view, you know, the business aspect of coaching has mm -hmm. just evolved immensely. 
So then where did you make your pivot, I guess, or what would you better said? Uh, what, how did you change your marketing strategies to convey that? Like to go from, hey, I'm just this coach. Like, I love everybody. I want to help everybody to, hey, I'm this coach that does this kind of work very specifically. What kind of marketing strategies did you use? Yeah. So the biggest thing that helped was obviously like hiring Jeffrey Sue. Like, I know this isn't necessarily like a plug for his mentorship, but honestly, like I needed help. Like I didn't know, you know, exactly what to do. Like, yeah, I was like somewhat successful on my own, but I knew to get the level that I wanted to be at and just be, you know, financially stable to be able to support my family. You know, I needed to change what I was doing. And so I reached out to him for help and, you know, we had a really good in-depth conversation. He quickly identified my strengths and my weaknesses, and we essentially went to work. And so it was really finding a demographic and a target audience that I wanted to work with. And although like, yes, I definitely have like a heart for wanting to work with bigger guys. Like I also still have an extreme passionate, you know, love for these complex hormonal health cases because I find them very fascinating. It's like a puzzle piece and it challenges me and it challenges my way of thinking and understanding about what I know about human physiology, but also kind of going into human psychology because something that you know, I learned from mentoring with Austin is you can write the best protocol in the world, but it doesn't mean jack shit if the client isn't able to follow it because you didn't essentially meet them where they were at, not only from a physiological standpoint, from a psychological standpoint as well. Hmm. So with the mentorship, that's one, one question that I want to kind of, kind of dive into here. Like you say, you know, obviously we work together and you work with Austin as well. And we know that a lot of great coaches have their own coaches, what, what, like, how did you kind of like go over that hump and realize that you need to reach out for help? Cause there are a lot of coaches out there who are trying to do this thing on their own and they either, you know, don't want to relinquish and like, or, or surrender rather is a better word for it and say, Hey, I actually don't know exactly what I'm doing. I need some help or it's going to cost a lot of money, but I, I I'm going to invest this into somebody to teach me. How did you make that decision? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you kind of almost answered it. Like you have to view it as an investment. If you're like, oh, I'm spending money on this, you're completely devaluing what it is you're spending your money on. And so I looked at what I was making by myself and I knew that if I had the right guidance and the right support, that I'd be able to double and triple it given the right amount of time. And so for me, like it was just taking that investment and knowing that like if it doesn't hurt a little bit financially, it's probably not going to give you the kick in the ass that you need to be successful. Like there's no urgency that's generated. It's just like, oh, well, I can stay comfortable because yeah, I'm making some money. And you know, well, my husband, he makes six figures. So I don't really need to make money. I could just be, you know, a cute little stay-at-home housewife and then you have a, a somewhat mild, you know, successful coaching business, but then be a full-time bodybuilder and la di da da. And that's not the life I wanted for myself. So in order for me to be successful, I knew that meant challenging my current beliefs and essentially stepping up to the plate and making myself a priority, making my business a priority and taking that risk and taking that investment. And it's definitely paid off, not necessarily financially at the moment, because I know it's very unrealistic to go from what I make now to like 10K months. But I also know that the way I market now and the way that I understand how a business works it's so much different than a year ago. And so I'm essentially like putting in the sweat equity now and, you know, creating those relationships, creating that value. So that way, you know, when I start to rack up those months and months of experience that turn into year experiences that you guys have, then that's how I'm going to be successful. I just need to continue to put in the work in and essentially not 
compare, like, you know, do a dick measuring contest of, against coaches that are like years and years and decades ahead of than I am. Good answer. You guys got anything else? Well, I, mean, I, can, I can ask one of mine. Um, so I guess the first question would be, do you work with men? And then the next question would be, if, if you do, what differences have you seen? And if you don't, what, what kind of hurdles do you think you're encountering to not get the male clients if you're looking for them? Yeah, as of right now, I, it's not quite 50-50, but I do work with men. You know, I have a classic physique aspiring competitor. I have a strong man retiree, if you will, that, you know, essentially he wants to cut off some, some weight while still maintaining his lifts. And, you know, I've kind of had a couple of stay-at-home dads and stuff like that. So I do definitely coach men. The biggest difference that I have seen so far is like men are much more robotic where they don't question everything. It's just like, coach, give me the plan and I'll execute. Now, granted, I understand that not every man is going to be like that, but women tend to let their emotions sometimes get the best of them and they tend to overthink and complicate issues. Not that that's always necessarily a bad thing because I think there are some coaches where maybe you should be questioning like their, their protocols and their programming. But for the most part, for the men that I work with, it's just like, give me the thing, I'll do the thing, and then I'll check in next week. And that's definitely challenged me as a coach because I've worked with more women than I have men. And so sometimes it's like, I'm wanting more feedback from them so I can help them. But at the end of the day, you know, I have to understand that the, whatever they're willing to communicate with me and to me, that I need to make sure I read between the lines because maybe some men just aren't willing to share, you know, and kind of like be in tune with their feelings that more women are. But still being able to coach them to success. So that way they're able to be, you know, successful long-term. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, I was asking because I feel like, I don't know if it was last podcast or a few podcasts back, we had talked about, you know, the differences in, you know, women trying to get men clients and the barriers mm -hmm. to it. So it sounds like you're not encountering those kind of uh, issues. So that's good. I mean, that'll help as you grow, you know, obviously, if you're only doing helping one demographic, it's, you know, you're, you're limited. So. Yeah. Jeff, you have a question? No, you go ahead and take the next one. I'll hit mine. Okay. All right. So in your you know last year, Ashley, like what sort of like mistakes would you say that you've made that have kind of stuck with you and changed your perception, your direction? Like, do, are there any specific moments or people you may have spoken to or, how you were treated or by a, a client or anyone else that sort of made you realize anything? Definitely a really good question. I think for the most part, just kind of looking back on how I used to do things, I realized how comprehensive I thought it was. And in reality, it wasn't nearly as thorough as it should have been. And I think that because I had like poor system processes, it definitely like impeded my ability to be able to serve clients the full stability. You know, it definitely like clouded judgment or kind of had like my blinders on. And so I wasn't necessarily being able to apply everything that I knew just to, because of essentially poor system management and poor like back end design versus now it's much more comprehensive. And I'm able to get a better picture of where I think the client is at, which means I'm designing better protocols and meeting them where they're at in their fitness journey both from, like I said, a psychological standpoint and a physiological standpoint, rather than just like taking what they're giving me at face value and running with it. Like I'm essentially 
able to evaluate I think more in depth and also ask better questions just so that way I'm able to hear the client fully and not just ask like, you know, basic coaching questions like, Hey, did you poop today? It's like, no, like, do you even want to be here? Do you even want to like follow the programming and follow like your protocol? So it's asking better questions just so that way I'm able to essentially guide the client to success, you know, regardless if it is like, you know, a huge male bodybuilder or maybe it's small bikini competitor, or maybe like, you know, Jill, the soccer mom who just wants to lose like, you know, her tummy fat or something like that. That actually leads me to a good question I want to ask. What is your customer service management database for your clients? Like, what are you currently using? Like what platform do you use feed for function? Do you use Microsoft Excel? How are you organizing them? And then <clears throat> on the back end, my next question would be, how do you manage your clients or who are former who have left? Do you have a way that you like contact and follow up with them? And then clients who go through your pipeline, but don't close with you. Do you follow up with them? Like, do you actually use like a CSM model or anything? Like that? So as of right now, I, the only like, like software is really that I use. And I don't even know if you'd call it a software is definitely like, I have everything mostly on Google drive. And then most of these things are updated like live um, as I make edits, but then usually sent as like PDF. So I think I'm trying to make things less complicated just so that way I'm not like alienating everyone. Um, I'm also just not familiar with those like softwares. And so of course I'd be more open to it and maybe understanding that at a later time. But as of right now, since I'm still trying to like solidify from what I am, what I'm learning with Jeffrey, I don't want to add like more complication on top of like what's already like challenging me as a coach and meeting me where I'm at. But for the most part, everything is in within Google drive. And as far as like invoices and stuff, that is all through PayPal. And Jeffrey did help me design like a website on Squarespace, which is how like people are able to like find my website, find my offerings and stuff like that. Okay. Good on that one. I don't know if you have anything you want to follow up. I mean, I don't even use a, any sort of database outside of Excel. Um, I do have mailing lists, which, you know, I could, you know, mail people, you know, newsletters or, or things like that, but I haven't done that myself either. It's, it's worked fine for a business of my size. So I think, you know, with Ashley, you, you probably need a little bit more time before you, you need a real system. So, so I have a question though, like, let's have the discussion about it. Do we think, why don't you do email? Because I've seen where it really has helped Iron House, and occasionally it does help with Relentless. That Wellness Wednesday has grown quite a bit. Curious from your standpoint, why you don't do a newsletter of any kind, especially to maybe people who didn't sign up with you? Because once you have their data to be able to retarget them, like we've seen it now because we've been doing this a long time. People reach out to me like, hey, I've been following you for two years. I just wanted to hire you all of a sudden now. And you're like, damn, two years? All right. Well, cool. Good job creeping. You know, so curious. I think it comes down to my, my personality, because if I, if I have put myself out there once and, you know, or I've worked with someone and it didn't work out and they were happy and they just left or whatever, I'm, I'm not someone who likes to go knocking on doors to make sales. I just like to, you know, present what I have. And then if people see it, they can come to me and then I'll, I'll interact with them. But in a way it's like, like Jason, you said earlier, like, like I'm so active on social media I'm so active to the point that you can't log on to Instagram and not see my profile icon as the first or at least maybe top five, you know, story icons that you see on your Instagram. So people can't really get away from me unless they completely unfollow me. So I do have a lot of people who constantly watch my stuff. And then over time, they quote unquote will break down the walls and then reach out 
or reach back out. And I've had that happen multiple times through DMs. So I just haven't had the need to, to do an email outreach for that reason. Makes sense. Yeah. Jay, do you do an email outreach? I do. Um, what do you think? Start, I, it's been great. I mean, I don't know how much you can put stock into the MailChimp, but it there's times it says the ma- newsletter did like four grand, five grand. I guess they follow the clicks and who's hired and stuff. Um, we started out just once a month and now we've broken it down to weekly. And uh, I think it's helped all of our coaches. It's helped the team grow, get more clients. It's helped myself. So I, 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 I'm a believer in it. So where do you advertise the newsletter on? Are you putting it on your social? Or are you putting it on Facebook? Are you, the newsletter using, your, is, are you using your Facebook group? What are you doing? The newsletter is advertised on scoobyprep.com. If you go there, you know, you'll get, you can sign up for it. Um, I don't have it anywhere else. I don't believe. Okay. Chris. All right. I mean, I get the new ethics ones all the time. You know, sometimes it includes like helpful information, little yeah, tidbits of knowledge, that. you know, yeah. I'll click on it. But I think mostly it keeps your brand in my head though. You know, I'm like, all right, new ethics is out there. Oh, I, I ran out of protein. Time to order more new ethics way. You know, so in that sense, you're always on my mind. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's why I, I was, we were doing once a month and then I asked Mayor if she could do it weekly. And um, yeah. she said, yes, that was kind of like, uh, I think Michael at iLead kind of told me he thought I should beef it up. So then I went to weekly and it's, it's helped. It really has. Hmm. And so good. now when anyone like inquires with me, um, I have an email list in drive and I copy their and paste their name and their email. And then mayor goes in and grabs that and puts them in the newsletter database. We've got probably about 10,000 emails. So it's pretty robust. That's good. Ashley, what would you say about your relationship building in terms of your, your business relationships uh, over the past year? Like what have you kind of done to, grown your your following because i know your following has grown you're interacting with more people now so what have you kind of done to do that and what have you learned about relationship building in this industry i think what's really helped is being more consistent and showing up every single day so like if people can expect a post on this day or maybe a q a on this day or having like little other things that people can engage with that definitely really helps because it's a blessing and a curse to be kind of like on social media because everyone kind of wants those like little dopamine hits. So like they're willing to like, you know, maybe play your little quizzes or, you know, ask you a question, whether it's like, you know, anonymous or not. And that definitely really, really helps as well as like, you know, content creating with other coaches, like having consistent lives or, you know, having a segment where you have like, you know, a a coach, another coach from the industry on, you know, that's something that I recently just started you know, called real talk where I essentially just talk with another coach at, you know, for an hour or so, you know, every single Monday. And like, that's just going to be, again, kind of like presenting me and having like another opportunity for people to see my personality, you know, get to know me a little bit better. But at the end of the day, I think it's just being more vulnerable, which I know can be very, very difficult to do, but people relate to realness. Like that's something that people have, have told me consistently is I like following you because you're real you're honest. You're not afraid to like, tell it like it is. And that's just honestly a product of my upbringing is just to be honest and to be real. And that's something that I noticed was lacking, especially in Instagram, especially with, you know, you guys like having John Dorsey on and talking about Photoshop and all that shit. It's just, there's not enough realness. And so it's like, if that's what people are wanting, like I will be my 
unapologetically authentic self and have that energy out there, which attracts so many different people because it's just unfortunately right now, not the norm. And I think that's definitely helped to have those people in my DMs to have meaningful conversations because I'm not afraid to be honest about my life when it comes to my successes, but also my shortcomings and my failures. Like I don't mind being vulnerable, um, especially when it comes to maybe something like my marriage. It's like, I'm very like pretty open about like, if Eric and I get into a fight, this is how we handled it. I dropped the ball on this. People want realness. They want relatability. They don't want to see that you have your hair up in a bun, little apron on, you know, baking your husband muffins. They want to know that like when you have spits and spats, that like, you know how to conflict resolve it and maybe sharing, you know, those strategies just so that way maybe they could practice it in their own marriage. And so for me, I think what's really just helped is defining what I want out of my page and out of like my social media experience. And for me, it's just gravitating toward being myself, being real and being honest. Mm. I like that. I mean, that's the way I go about things. And maybe, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why you and I work really well together. <laughs> because we're both honest in our own unique ways. So I support that. Yeah. Okay. I have my final question that I'd like to ask. I think Uh, everything is pointing that it's gloom and doom out there. Recession. Everyone's going to hunker and take all their squirrel nuts and run away and shit. And given that, have you changed your approach with what you're doing? Do you plan on changing approach? What is your plan to scale during a recession when people are inherently thinking about pulling back? And let's be honest, we're all like a service, you know, and we're a service that people could do away with. It's not like most people wouldn't be like, I'll just get that 20 pounds back off later. Um, kind of deal. What's your plan for that? Have you even thought about it? Like, what are some strategies? Are you considering? I'm trying to get more into your business mind, like as a CEO what you're seeing on a landscape. Yeah. I mean, these times are definitely difficult. Like, even though like my husband has a stable job and he makes a good amount of money, even we're like, you know, having to make, you know, financial decisions as to our priorities. And so if you're on a sales call, like when I'm on a sales call with a client, it's talking to them about their priorities and being like, well, is your health one of them? Because yes, you know, we can, we are service industry and, you know, you could almost view coaching as, you know, something that like maybe contest prep coaching as like, oh, I don't really need contest prep. But some of the people that, you know, we work with, maybe their doctors aren't hearing them. Maybe like they don't know what to do or where to go, but their health is continuing to decline and they're not sure who to go to or where, what to even do. I think you can make an argument that like sometimes our profession is desperately needed and to fill in that hole that, you know, that is created just by kind of the doom and gloom of our, our medical industry. And so it's really having those complex conversations with clients and being like, well, where are your priorities? Like, yes, obviously you have to, you know, budget wisely and be there for your family. So you have a roof over your head, bills, you know, meals on the table, but also where does your health fit in? And if that's not a priority, why is it not a priority? Like if you want to be there for your family, well, you need to be there and you need to be there in your fullest capacity. Like if you're sick and you can't walk up a flight of stairs or, you know, if your medications are costing you up a fortune because those are being hit as well. It's like, well, we need a wake up call. We need a reality check as well. It's like your health costs money and it's either going to cost money now by fixing things that can be fixed and addressed and changed your lifestyle habits, or it's going to, you know, the bill's going to come due in, you know, a couple of years. And if things keep trending on how they keep trending, 
who knows how much that's going to cost, not only from a financial from perspective, but also on lost out memories and, you know, things and experiences that you might not be able to have with your family and your children or, you know, people that you care about because of how your health is declining. Good answer. I really think so. I, mean, I, I would, I would sort of add to this and just say that I think coaching, if it's positioned the right way as like a solution to um, lifestyle problems or health issues and not just the glitz and glamour of contest prep, which yes, that contest prep and competing is a luxury, but you know, if I broke my arm, right. And you know, I need to go to the hospital, whether it's a recession or not, I'm going to the hospital and I'm probably going to incur those charges. So just like people who have, you know, broken metabolisms, you know, quote unquote, right. Or gut issues or thyroid issues. They just feel like shit, no matter what, those people are going to want to feel better. So that's why I think coaching or health coaching is a necessity. As long as you can um, position yourself as that and make sure people know that you work with those types of clients. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, you got anything? Yeah. I mean, one of mine I had was what's, what's been the hardest part about building a coaching business that maybe you did not foresee uh, when you started? Mm. That's a really good question. That's a good one, actually. That's neat. Yeah, it's it's definitely, for me, what you're asking is, are you willing to be humble? Like, that's what I hear from that. Because it's like, you know, from my education, you know, I have a bachelor's degree. I have the certifications. Not one of those things prepared me to deal with customer service and to actually understand how to run a business. Hence why I hired a business coach. You know, so for me, it's, being humble enough to accept help. And for someone, you know, with my history growing up, like it sometimes is difficult to ask for help and to be humble and to essentially assess your shortcomings and be like, listen, like, are you willing to do what it takes to change? If so, what are the action steps you need to take in order to achieve that? And for me, it was being humble enough to ask for help I have no problem taking classes. I have no problem reading books. But when someone comes into your business and is like, hey, you're fucking shit up, like that's hard to hear because your business is your baby. Like it is my baby, you know? So for to like essentially have, you know, Jeffrey come in and it's like, hey, your website sucks. Honestly, it did suck, but I built that from scratch. And so knowing how long it took me to build that, and I am not technologically like sound. I am not. I know I'm only 26, but honestly, my husband does so much Excel stuff for me and Excel education that like when Jeffrey came into my website and was like, this sucks, this sucks, this is dumb. Like this is pictures blurry. I was like angry, like so freaking pissed that I wanted to like throw my laptop like against a wall because I was like, damn it. It was mine though. But he showed me how to do it better. And he explained along the way, essentially, like why this will work better and why this looks better. And so for me, it just comes back to being humble and to remember that I asked for this. I asked for help. And it's my decision whether or not I choose to receive it warmly and to implement what advice I'm given or to blow this opportunity away. It's fair. It's good for you. Yeah. Who is your target avatar? And I mean, in the sense of like, okay, actually, this is a good question. Do you believe that you have your ideal client? 
Do you think that your ideal client exists? I think for the most part, my ideal client is anyone who genuinely wants to change and to get better or is willing to learn and try. But when it comes to that, I mean, yeah, that's a very deep like realization, definitely on the client's end. But obviously I view it as my job as a coach to also get them there. Um, I think it was Dylan Fanouf. I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was on a post or whatever, but he said that you don't get great clients. You don't get your ideal clients. You mold and shape them. And that really hit home for me because that's exactly right. You don't just wake up and, you know, you know, let's say in in a world that Nick Walker leaves his current coach and is in your DMs. Like you don't just get a Nick Walker client. You make them, you mold them, you help them to achieve their full potential. And for me, understanding that like it's my ability to help to mold these people that are trusting me with their health or their goals or whatever it is that they want to achieve that it's my job to make sure we have that communication and so whether it's someone struggling with their hormonal health maybe it was wrecked after prep maybe it was you know wanting to come off hormonal birth control maybe they're wanting to you know go up to the next you know size class it's just understanding what they want and helping them to realize that these are the goals and these are the things that they need to essentially take to get them to their goals. So I don't have necessarily like one ideal client. It's more just like, are you actually willing to work and are you willing to do what needs to get done to achieve what you want? Cause it's not about me. It's not about my goals. It's about your goals and what you want to do. So you would dare say though, you attract a target audience, like a demographic. Mm-hmm. And then from the demographic, you tease out your target client, right? Your, your avatar at that point. See, I actually have an argument going that I'm going to be teaching on a class I'm going to do uh, that really every marketing strategy is blue ocean. And it's really just a lie. It's a matter of your ability to connect with those people who are following you in the demographics. But really what builds your client avatar are the referrals that you get, because those are going to be more inclined. You just don't market to a specific avatar if you get them in the net you get them in the net and i was just curious what you kind of thought if you found that to be true and then if you get so say you get like a hundred of your perfect avatar clients per se like the marketing people say to do how many of them get success and how many of them fail hmm it's definitely a good question that's not something i've ever thought of before i think in reality it just depends on of those 100 how many people are willing to communicate with me what they need to be successful? Because I want every single person to work with me to be successful. Obviously, like that's like the heart. That's why I'm in it is I want people to realize their full potential and to be better. And I want to help them do that. Like, again, like that's just my end goal as a person. But they also have to be able to have that like needy gritty self-reflection done to understand like their strengths and their weaknesses and to, for us to have open dialogue about them to ensure their success. And obviously I will do everything in my power to help them to be successful. But at the end of the day, I can't, you know, wipe their butt and feed them, you know, like I can't do that, especially in an online setting. And so it's just having those difficult conversations if the client isn't doing maybe what they need to be doing, you know, based on what goals they've, you know, told me initially or having different conversation about, well, this is what my goal was, but with everything that's going on, I think my goal needs to shift and here is what it is. Or maybe can you help me decide on what a better goal would be? Because right now I feel lost. And so really it just comes back to, are you relatable to your athletes? So you're able to help them to their full stability. I like that answer. Yeah. So I can't give you like 50, 50, like ideally a hundred, but realistically it's up to the client. It's up to them. I think you got 
most coaches have their top 20%. They genuinely keep going and keep getting results. And then for every like hundred, you bring in 20 really rise to the top Mm -hmm. 20 fall in the middle. And then sad, but true majority of the other people just either hang or fall off. Right. It's curious. Jeff, go ahead. 20% is, is about right. But yeah, I agree. I mean, you can only go so far um, with each individual in terms of what you put into them. It's, it's about what they put into the situation or relationship as well. But yeah, you definitely do create your, your best clients. And that's the most fulfilling part about this job is, is watching someone, you know, build confidence, you know, and you see it in their eyes, they're checking photos, get better, their form, their training gets better. And then they, they evolve and, and grow over time. That's the, that's the best part about being a coach for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I've definitely developed like a certain sense of relatability because I used to be morbidly obese. Like if you scroll back into the archives of my Instagram, I was once 250. Like, you know, I'm five foot seven. So like, I'm not necessarily a short girl, but I'm not necessarily tall either. And so I know Jeffrey, you said you once made a post that I actually strongly disagreed with, um, but this is before we worked together, but you made a post about how you don't like saying like, oh, if I can do it, you can too. Cause we all had the same hours in the day. It was like that type of post. And that really irked me because it's, it felt like you were taking away something that I accomplished. And then I realized you weren't doing shit. You were just, you know, saying your feelings or whatever. But like, for me, it's like, I was 16 years old when I decided that I wanted to start losing weight after getting out of such a shitty relationship that was so toxic and abusive that I wanted to lose weight for myself. But at the same time, I was in school full time. I was in extracurriculars and my mom was very sick. Like I would have to like take her to the bathroom, like change her diaper, feed her, you know, take care of a house, grocery shop because I was 16. Like I was playing the role of a kid and a parent. But yet I still made myself a fucking priority. And I went to the gym. I ate right. I learned this was kind of the age where you know, yes, I had internet. So I was able to be on like bodybuilding.com or like women's fitness or whatever. And I didn't know what the hell a macro was, but I downloaded my fitness pal and I made it work. Now, granted, I had no guidance. And so of course, being like a type A perfectionist, I unfortunately fell into eating disorders. Like it was just, it happened. And because of that though, I also gained more relatability. And also when I came out of the ashes, I was stronger. So like that post really irked me, but like if a kid with no like education and thinking that like mac and cheese was a vegetable can lose weight, you can too, but you have to ask for help and you have to be willing to like roll up your sleeves and do the work. You have to want it basically. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I agree with that. That's exactly why, you know, those clients that come back year after year, they still don't want it yet. But once they do, then that's when the success happens and you see it click. So absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I have Jane. You got yeah, anything? Yeah. Jason, no, no, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not here. Yeah. Is there any closing things you have? Like, where do you, where do you see yourself going in the next year before we maybe follow back up again? Like what does the next year outlook look like for you? My goal is to grow my roster to a a, like comfortable pace for me when it comes to just like financial security and stability so I can support my family and be able to give back to my husband who's been so giving and supportive of me and my dreams. He's definitely had to put a lot of his hobbies on hold just so financially we can, you know, 
make sure that we have everything that we need to, you know, live and take care of ourselves while I invest all of the money that I'm getting right now into mentorships and classes and coaching. So that way I'm able to give to my clients and be the best coach that I can be. But my goal is to have like a firm roster between 20 and 40 individuals full time. Because as of right now, like I have two other part-time jobs that I work. So my goal would be, to, would be to be able to quit those. So I'm able to focus full-time on coaching. And I know 20 to 40 may not seem like a lot, but 20 to 40 with where I'm at now continuously will definitely, you know, continue to challenge me and to grow me as a coach while I ex- and learn to build better systems and have better backends. So I'm able to have, you know, a comfortable roster of, let's say 50 to 70, you know, five years or hopefully less down the line. So I don't feel like I'm drowning because my goal is to have obviously enough roster to, you know, live comfortably and to have athletes I'm taking care of without forgetting like the athlete's last name and what their goal is, because I don't want to be, you know, a coach where my client feels like they're a number because I don't think that's fair. I've been on the receiving side of that and it doesn't feel good. So I want to make sure that I'm continuously being a coach for my athletes and being a coach for the people and not people, not um, allowing people to feel like a number because that makes you feel less and it's just not fun. So that's kind of my goals essentially moving forward. I dig it. Where can everybody find you? Give you a follow, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so on Instagram, which is essentially my main social media, um, I'm at the brunette bodybuilder uh, website is myostrengthtraining.com. Also, I have a figure, uh, the, the figure it out podcast, which is on both um, Spotify and uh, Apple. That, awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Jeff. Is there anything you got to close out, Mr. Host? Um, didn't you have some stuff coming up? Like, don't you have like some like guides you're sending out and some workshop or something? What, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, good, good question. I like, <laughs> snuck that in at the last second. So yeah, so I will be releasing one more guide in the next uh, week or so um, pertaining to managing digestion in the off season. So this is going to be really for the bigger guys and bigger girls or maybe unfortunate souls that have to eat just a lot of food to grow. It's just learning how to manage that, which is going to tie in nicely to all the other guides I've released when it comes to, you know, keeping tabs on your fasting blood glucose and why that matters, as well as, you know, what is an anti-inflammatory diet? What are anti-inflammatory foods and what foods could be causing inflammation? So those all tie together very nicely. Um, The goal is to be hosting a class, a workshop, a free open Q&A um, on August 21st at 5 p.m. is a Sunday, and I will be joined with um, my uh, essentially other mentor, Austin Stout, with that. So I'll be taking, we'll say around 15 people um, to have. And again, it's just an open Q&A. You can ask me questions pertaining to the guides that I've released, and it'll be a fun time. It'll be good. You'll get to know a little bit more about me, just kind of see my personality. And if you think I'd be a good fit to work together, let's hop on a call and talk about it. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, you get ladies, gents, y'all have yourself a good rest of the day. All right. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.